Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen, with the dark shadow of the Empire rising to take their place. This message is a warning and a reminder for any surviving Jedi. Trust in the Force. Do not return to the Temple. That time has passed. And our future is uncertain. We will each be challenged. Our trust our faith, our friendships. But we must persevere, and in time, a new hope will emerge. May the Force be with you, always. Halo! Hello there! And welcome, everyone, to the Sacred Icon Podcast, where we love the prequels all the way to the sequels and beyond! If you're tuning into this episode then your midichlorian count must be off the charts because you're tuning in to Oddball, where we talk about things outside of the Halo universe. It's been one week since the finale of the Obi-Wan Kabuzi show premiered on Disney+. Plus. Now, we saw the one in the Discord for this one as well as wanting to do it ourselves, so here we are to rant and rave about all things Kenobi! So many opinions, so little time, we'll split the winnings at 50-50. I'm your host and Hayden Christensen simp pimp, Josh E. Hargis. And joining with me as always is my buddy, my pal, my friend, your host, and the guy who never takes the helmet off even when we podcast because this is the way. The almighty Brian Arvett. Brian, fucking Star Wars, man. Man, Josh, you know, the show really disappointed me because it never explained how, you know, Obi-Wan can look so much older in just nine years. People upset about that are drinking hate raid out there on the Twitter sphere, on Twitter sphere, man. Like, how can his hair's not even gray, Josh? Nine years can do a lot <laughs> to a man in the sand dunes of Tatooine, ladies and gentlemen. Also, I'm surprised you liked the show as much as you did when at the very end of the series, ghost Darth Jar Jar shows up. Yes. In, <laughs> yeah. in some alternate reality that I am not a part of, first, thank God. He's the first Sith Lord to be able to become a, a Force ghost. Yes. How's that delusional uh, mentality treating you? 
Josh is like, man, I had such high hopes for this. I'm so tired. I know. I I'm just so tired of that shit out there. Like you still, it still pops up. I could be like, I could go out there and I could tweet like, man, that Jar Jar Dark Jar Jar stuff sucks. And then someone's like, but you know, it's kind of makes sense, right? Fuck off, Josh. (laughs) Suck my cock. Okay, I'm. I've watched all that stuff, dude. It doesn't. It doesn't work. Oh my god, it's fun. It it was fun, like the first like time I saw that stuff, and then I got old, and I was like, come on. Yeah, like oh, I didn't know we'd be talking about this ten years later. Jesus, that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. Uh, Okay, Josh, set us up here. Tell us talk. Yeah, we're gonna talk all things about the show, guys. This what one week now? Yeah. So after the show's come out, uh, I just have to say I loved it from the start. Uh, I have a lot of hot takes to say about it, but uh, we're just gonna kind of get our opinions out, get on our soapboxes, and talk about this. The first thing I gotta say is, is man, when we were watching, when I was watching the first episode because they premiered the first two right away and they show little Leia and it's playing this music as it's kind of cutting to the scenery of Alderaan dude. That's when I, that was the moment I started crying like hysterically, like just seeing little Leia, seeing the music that plays, seeing Alderaan and like Bail Organa and his like relationship with her was incredible. what do you think about, let's talk about little Leia. what do you think about little Leia in the show? We'll get to the main heavy hitters well, after. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you made a good point already that I hadn't really come prepared to talk about is uh, when you watch A New Hope, you know, I, I feel like the the grand consensus is no one really feels anything when Alderaan's destroyed because it means nothing to you. But now I'm like, oh, damn, things have changed. Yeah. Like now, like I know that planet. I know, like obviously I knew Bail Organa and his wife were already there, but like I saw more of them there. I saw more of the planet. I saw more of their like armed guards and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, dang, it just sucks. It just sucks that like, you know, and we got that cameo of C three PO for like one second. He was there. Of of, of C three PO. Oh, he was there. Yeah, when they were having—I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. When they were having this little like uh luncheon scene after her cousins, they her cousins come to visit. Okay, she meets and greets them, and she right before it cuts to her at the table, like showing him up when he tries to show her up. There's a part in the background, and like it cuts over, and you clearly see C three PO serving drinks and shit. It, it oh, was wow. totally him. Yeah, awesome. great, great blinking. Was it, I, now, this is probably a dumb question, but is he in the? No, yeah, he's already in the gold armor by Revenge. Yeah, it's not a dumb question, but no, uh, yeah, he was in the gold armor. Okay. Yeah, he's got so many different variants. Yeah. I wasn't sure. <laughs> he, he's basically like, he's basically like, uh, I say variants, like he's like a Fortnite skin or something. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, he, it's funny if he was a Battlefront hero, he would have had a shit ton of skins because, like, you know. Oh. And, I mean, yeah. they do that in Force Red Awakens, arm. just selling the, just to sell new toys of him. But uh, yep, it's just hilarious. But the comic story yeah. behind that was great. But anyway, what were you saying, Brian? I'm so sorry, we got so we got a- every everything, and, and we're going to obviously jump around because this jump is kind around. of a grand. This is kind of a grand sweeping claim I'm about to make that'll it'll inspire lots of mini conversations. But everything about Obi Wan Kenobi, the show, enhances well Star Wars in general. But wow, going into A New Hope when you have Obi Wan Kenobi and Rogue One behind you. Damn, it's making that movie better Dude. and better. And the only reason I say that so early is because of Alderaan and uh, is it, how do you pronounce it properly? Is Alderaan or Alderaan? And I wrong. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, Alderaan and uh, Little Leia and more of Bail Organa to make that connective tissue. Because now you can watch. It's so crazy. Like think about like you show your kids in the future. Like you can show them Revenge of the Sith, Obi Wan Kenobi, um, Rogue One. Rogue mm-hmm. One. And then go into a new hope, and like they're gonna really feel like Bail Organa was on that planet and died yeah. because he is. Like you see it, 
Um, so yeah, little, little Leia was like, uh, the standout for me mm-hmm. in a way that I, like, I didn't expect. Like there's one part of me that goes, all right, how many times are we going to mine this like cute kid that we all fall in love with trope? Yeah. But then I'm also like, I guess you can mine it forever because I love it. Uh, cause L- little Leia was amazing. She, you know, it's believable to me that that becomes Carrie Fisher's Leia. Sure. Um, sure. now we have three eras of Leia because we have, you know, kid and, and adult and, and, you know, older adult. Um, I loved little Leia. Uh, I thought she was a great, gave great performance, great chemistry with, um, Ewan McGregor. Uh, though I feel like Ewan McGregor just builds great chemistry with everyone he's on set with. I feel like (laughs) that's just part of his, his, who he is. Um, though I can never, I'll always hate, I hated, hated the birds of prey movie. I thought it was such garbage. Um, (laughs) and I, you know what? Hold on a second. I want to I want to I want to take that back for a second and issue an apology. I was just thinking to myself at work yesterday how I hate when people call any piece of media garbage or trash because it's almost never the case. And I just got caught up and I got heated <laughs> and I made a mistake. <laughs> Birds of prey is not garbage. It's not trash. Brian's on here. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of redeeming qualities to Birds of prey, you know, uh, you know, good acting performances, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> let me rephrase that. I really disliked Birds of Prey as a film, okay. but another thing that I hated about it is how much it made Ewan McGregor an asshole. And it, I always saw him as such a nice dude, but he is so awful in that movie. Um, so that's just that just kind of adds to the juxtaposition of Obi Wan Kenobi. But anyways, to wrap up your your question and throw it back over to you, Josh. Um, loved Little Leia, loved uh, Alderaan, and. Um, I, I, yeah, if it wasn't for some of the end of the series, uh, end of the uh, series episode stuff that happened, mm-hmm. I would have said Little Leia was my favorite part of the show up until episode six. Okay, I would have said she was my favorite part of the show. Okay, and why is that? Like something changed, right? Well, do you want me to go? Yeah, yeah oh, you can go well, and do it. I mean, I don't care. well, basically, You're the, giving us the, the confrontation between the confrontation between Obi Wan and Anakin was incredible. Uh, that was some. That was some of the best Star Wars. Dude, right I'm there. glad you said that because that's what I want to talk about next. You said that it felt like this enhanced everything. I felt like yeah. 100%. I felt like it enhanced things without almost doing that, with almost like not doing that at all. And what I mean by that is like you could still skip this show and still really get uh-huh. the core story and experience. But this adds so much depth and so many more layers to the to that stuff. Like, well, they did it. You have... You have the Anakin, like Brian, you just said, you have the Anakin stuff. The the whole line, I mean, hats off to Caden. I mean, the dude had some great line delivery. And, yeah, and yes, they messed with his like voice and stuff to, to modulate it with and, and juxtapose it or whatever the word is with uh, James Earl Jones. But that shit, that whole line with like, you you know, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. I did. Chills. You know, chills. And also, it's great because this whole show goes to show that Obi-Wan had been carrying that weight and this kind of gives them that freedom. And it's also Anakin saying in the moment, you didn't kill, you know, like this, uh, I'm not your failure. This is my victory. Like that's like, this isn't on you almost like to rob, uh, Obi-Wan just to kind of like stab it, stab the wound in a little bit. You know, he's saying it in a more victorious way, whereas Obi-Wan's heart is just breaking. And it, it's awesome because in this moment, you know, he, when he's walking away, Ben says to him, calls him Darth. And, you know, when you see him next in A New Hope, you know, he's like, when I met you, I was but the learner. Now I'm the master, only a master of evil, Darth. You know, and he says it back to him. Also, then it makes complete sense now why Leia 
calls uh, her son, Ben, makes way yep. more sense now. Yep. Also, there's the moment in A New Hope when Luke Skywalker shows up and he's like, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm with Ben Kenobi. And she's like, Ben Kenobi. And she gets up and, you know, and flips out and stuff like that. Yep. That part's awesome. Also, what you said about Alderaan. I mean, and I love, I love also for Leia, like the moment the I cried the, well, the second hardest crying moment for me was when at the very end of the last episode, Obi-Wan gets down on his knees and he tells her, tells little Leia, like the quality she has of Anakin and Padme. And the Leia theme is playing like absolute like sobbing moment. And I thought that's really cool. Not just because of the dialogue, but then she he's like, I'm sorry, I can't tell you more. And she's like, that's OK. And she looks over at Bale and Brea and it just really goes to solidify all the more like how much she's close with them, has a great relationship with them. Even like in the beginning, Brea is like trying to like groom her into this like senator. And she's kind of just you see this playful Leia. But then by the end of it, she puts the little blaster uh clip you know yeah, the belt satchel. the statue yeah, thank you puts that on her uh waist and stuff and and then brea comes in and she's like what's that and then she's like i love it and then uh then later on when uh she's like okay i'm gonna do this but i gotta change a few things and then uh bale's like well let's change them together and i just thought oh my heart like it just builds up yeah her so much because we have so much of luke and that was something i thought in the show i'll get your opinion on this i thought i was kind of surprised like midway through, I was like, we haven't really seen much of Luke. And then by the end of it, I was like, you know what? This is really good because I've seen so much Luke. I've got so much more of a focus on Luke in, in a lot of stories. And it was great to see Leia like have a prominent seat and again, see her build up this relationship with Ben. What do you think about that between the two? You don't really get much Luke. Josh, you it's not fair because you hit on five points. And I, have to, <laughs> and I, I can't I wanted to reply to five different things. I'm not going to remember them all. Go, um, let me try on. here. You know what I think is interesting? So, like, we spend so much time talking about how we hope that a new show or movie doesn't make something seem weird. Yeah. Like, you know, back when this show was first announced, people were like, I don't know how I feel about that because when you when you meet Darth Vader in episode four, he's like, you know, last time, I, a presence I haven't felt since, you know, people were always worried, like, they're going to screw that and up. I was one of them. Yeah. Well, it's funny. They didn't screw it up no. at all. But then the inverse, the inverse happened, in my opinion. You mentioned that in episode four, when Leia says, Ben Kenobi, where is he? Yeah. Every time I watched episode four, I always thought that was odd. Like, I always thought that line and that delivery was odd way before a Kenobi show was ever announced. Right. So this now makes that not seem odd, which you know that obviously they weren't planning 40 years, 45 years ago for her to deliver the right, line in that fictional. way. So you know, I could throw Kenobi all that show. out. Yeah. But it but it seems like it was intentional, mm -hmm. like because it seems like she knew who he was, Ben Kenobi, right. in episode four. So that's enhanced, just like you said. Um, another thing I thought was interesting. I don't, I I, I don't agree or disagree with you. I, I actually haven't made up my mind yet. But it's funny you say that when uh, Darth Vader, um, Anakin, delivers that line about like you know, I'm not your failure. You read it as. He's a success where I saw lots of people reading it as the little good that was left in Anakin was telling Obi-Wan. This isn't true. I think I also bear. see it like that, too. I think it goes both ways. I OK, you see both. Yeah. OK, I don't think well, I guess that makes I don't sense think it's him going out. of. Anakin I don't think it's him like Vader, taunting, but. like saying he's like, like proud, almost like like I won this battle. It's more so like the moment when he's like, 
I killed him. He gets that when the like at first it's all like the yeah. blue on his face, and then you see the red, and he yep. gets he gets this yep. like grin on his face, which was just maniacal. And at that moment, you can tell like whatever's good, whatever was good, is absolutely gone, or so we think, you know. But then it's also just a moment of like clearly saying he just he's so he's in a, in a way he's so less minded he's so closed minded compared to obi-wan and they go to show that in the previous episode when they when they had that flashback and that duel so i just really great moment and it's also i think what's so cool about this dude what's so amazing is that with these two characters it goes to show that when like for darth vader every time he's around somebody else people are intimidated by him and he is darth vader but whenever he sees Obi-Wan, whenever Obi-Wan's around, his name is up, he is Anakin. His Anakin comes out, and he cannot resist yeah. that urge to, like, have this rivalry, like, consume him. And that's why we get that amazing cameo by Palpatine and by Ian McDermott at the end. And and he's yeah. like, hey, man, you seem like you're really focused on this. You need to, like, let it go. And he's like, you're my master, and Obi-Wan means nothing to me, when he totally still does. And again, adds further yeah. credence to him in A New Hope, which is great when he does that, like what you already said, you know, it's a presence I haven't felt since he can't let it go. He's And he just prioritizes that automatically, you know, and goes for Obi-Wan. And it's just, and it's so cool too, because at that point, Obi-Wan, you know, I saw a lot of people complaining. They were upset that Obi-Wan could not, like he didn't, he had an opportunity to kill vader here but he didn't and i thought okay for one it makes sense in yeah, character exactly for one kind of like you said earlier it's like come on guys there there was stuff that was established before this but for two it made sense in character because he loved him he said my friend is truly dead if i was anakin skywalker and i'm looking at brian after this rivalry we've had and i'm going completely evil there's no way brian can bring it in his heart to kill me he'll walk away he won't want anything to do with me but he would not be able to bring himself to kill me so obi-wan walks away and it makes further sense on the morning new hope because he still doesn't try to kill him. He just tries to buy Luke in every one time. And then he tells him, you strike me down, you become more, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. He has found a way, thanks to Qui-Gon, thanks to Qui-Gon, to go to the other side. And he knows that's like the next step. That's the next step he needs to take. And he takes it. And also, fucking amazing that we get that Liam Neeson cameo. He shows up. And it just goes to show that the next 10 years he's on that planet, he isn't alone. And that just even thinking about it makes me emotional. Like just knowing he wasn't out there by himself. I think that's amazing. Go ahead, Brian. I, I'm sure uh, it, it enhances everything, man. See, once again, five more points. <laughs> I'm not going to remember. Um, no, you, you kind of started to touch on one thing I was going to say is um, I really feel like the fight with Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in a new hope is really improved now yep. for several reasons. Like you said, one, uh, he wasn't there to kill Anakin. No. And truth be told, he might have been able to if he wanted to, but that's just not Obi-Wan's character. Right. And then two, what I think's enhanced, and once again, this is like accidentally enhanced, like they didn't plan this 45 years ago. But for me, what's so funny, this was like a shower thought I had, mm -hmm. right? When when he strikes Obi-Wan down in episode four and he just vanishes. What's the first thing Darth Vader does? He goes over and like pats it down with his foot. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And I almost picture, I almost picture Anakin being like, "Are you shitting me? This is the third fight, and I still don't know if this mf'er is dead or not." <laughs> like, like first fight, he leaves me burning alive. Okay, then I find him. You know, ten years later, we fight again. <laughs> I don't kill him then either. Yeah. Then he leaves. Then I don't see him again for nine more years. 
Now he shows up and he did some kind of freaking vanishing act. Is he dead or I not? I was picture Vader like as he's tapping it. He's like, you, you still there, Obi-Wan? And meanwhile, Obi-Wan's like, bah! <laughs> I'm ghost now. <laughs> I, I, it's just it, You think Obi-Wan is almost haunting Darth Vader because it's like it doesn't matter how much they fight. He never beats him. Like he never like full on loses in his mind, probably, but he never beats him. The only him. time he really um, does. So I thought that was I think it was yeah. like the third episode when he like burns him a bit. He did beat him there. But yeah. it was I mean, there's also like it's kind of a gray area. But I will say that was like the one time. But even then, I get what you're saying. Like he didn't really ever I'll say I would say he beats him because well, and this is gonna lead into another great point. Well, of course it's easy to self proclaim my own point <laughs> is great, isn't it? <laughs> Look at the big dick on uh, Brian. Another- Go for it, though. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> um, another point I wanted to make, um, like you said, where he kind of defeats Obi Wan at like epi- is episode three. Is that what it three, is? Yeah. What happens? Um, well, he does defeat him, but it's because Obi Wan is like basically, and this is where I'm going on my tangent. He's basically in a Luke from Last Jedi state in episode three, yeah. where he's kind of shut off from the Force. He hates his failures. He doesn't really want to re-engage with that kind of lifestyle. Um, and so because of that, he he would have been properly defeated there. But what I find here what I find super compelling and interesting for conversation is and I, I love that once again I'm stroking my own self here. <laughs> I, I'm glad I'm well, glad I'm, I'm the one the saying it. Go ahead. I'm I'm glad I'm the one saying it because I am a self-proclaimed big fan of The Last Jedi. So I feel like my opinion carries more weight rather than someone who doesn't like that movie. But I feel like what they did here with Obi-Wan is they took all the best elements of Luke from Last Jedi, but capitalized on it in a way that the fan base wanted. You know, like you look at you look at Luke and Obi-Wan as they start out in Last Jedi in the Kenobi series. They're kind of on the same page and they kind of have somewhat similar progression. I'm not that person anymore. I failed, blah, 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 blah. But where, not for me, but where for, and I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, so it makes sense why I was, it was easier for me to appreciate Last Jedi. But for so many fans in the the larger Star Wars fandom, Last Jedi, it encapsulates with Luke uh, force projecting, never having a lightsaber battle, and then Either, either, either way you want to look at it, dying from exhaustion, or the way I prefer to look at it, becoming one with the Force by will, by purposeful will. Well, in, in it retroactively I, mirrors a lot um, of Obi Wan stuff. Between what you're saying right now, and then also yeah. Obi Wan just straight up going ghost on Vader in A New Hope. I mean, that's, exactly. You know, exactly. he projects so, himself, goes ghost. So, yeah. And and that's that's like why I feel like for me it enhances. Yeah, for me it enhances it, but I can also make a point for those people who don't like Last Jedi that. You got the great elements of Luke here with Obi-Wan, but then you get the payoff of a giant badass duel between him and Darth Vader and and Obi-Wan summoning freaking a bazillion rocks and being a badass. Like that is what people wanted Luke to do in Last Jedi. I am happy with what they did in Last Jedi. I don't care that they didn't do that, but you can see now this right here is clearly what people were expecting with Last Jedi, and that's not what they got. But now we take it. Let me take it another direction, right? So I'm kind of waxing and waning here a bit. Um, Another thing I like, though, I mean, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing that I've said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so here's here's the other thing I love, though, is I feel like (laughs) Obi-Wan and Luke 
they have these kind of like mirror, like what they went through kind of mirrors each other. But the way Luke handled everything is very integral to his character. And it it really goes to show the difference between him and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was a Jedi who grew up in the Academy and saw the fall of the fall of the Jedi and then managed to be a pretty good dude till his death, but had lots of failures and lots of misunderstandings and lots of relearning as he, you know, the 20 years or so he spent on Tatooine, like having like character growth and maturity. He even pretty much tells, doesn't he like tell Luke that basically like Anakin's uh, has to be killed. Darth Vader has to be killed. Like he doesn't believe that he's redeemable, but that's what's so great about Luke's character is that Luke always believed that there was good in his father more so than even Obi-Wan did. And then Luke was never afraid to not fight. Luke was never afraid to not fight. And then that's even paid off in Last Jedi where it's like, as a juxtaposition to Obi-Wan, it's like, he doesn't fight. He instead, he self-projected himself and then went out like a force ghost. And like, it's always like Luke had a different method. Like Luke was less about violence first than than the Jedi were in the prequel era. And I feel like that's, that's kind of paid off in Last Jedi too. So I don't know. I think it just it enhances well, so you, literally everything. You, you see Luke in like everything. the other stuff. Like in between, he's like really trying to follow in the sort of prequel mentality uh the Jedi had. You know, no attachments, all that stuff. We see that established kind of in like Book of Boba with uh Grogu and stuff. And it just goes to show it that way just does not work. And yeah. It's interesting to see how he kind of like reaches that point and Yoda helping him and then also yeah him going ghost yep. but yeah when you go back to to Obi-Wan it's it's super cool too because you know outside of some uh legends material that we had there was a Kenobi book and stuff like that I really just for the longest time I think most people just thought that yeah he sat out there for 20 years occasionally like checked on you know the homestead saw how Luke was doing and growing but really just was by himself by his lonesome or with Qui-Gon up until the events in a new hope. But now we see that for like about 10 years, he's been just doing the shittiest jobs, you know, just barely getting by, uh, super down in the dumps and despair. We even get confirmation now that there was another Jedi on that planet. And he basically tells that dude, you got to fuck off, man. You're harshing my vibe here. Um, which is just crazy to see how far gone he is. And even that Jedi is like, what happened to you? You know, and so this is the story of him kind of getting back uh, to a sense of uh, renewal, because when he does fight Anakin and Anakin does tell him that stuff, it frees Obi-Wan of the guilt he's been carrying for so long. So that's why when he does get to Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon says, you know, I've always been here, you know, I've been, you know, you just haven't you weren't able to see me. It's because he was just so fixated on his own failure and the guilt he carried with that and, you know, the obsession of it. And he couldn't focus elsewhere, even though he was calling out to Qui-Gon. And and also, I think in some ways it was Qui-Gon's own way of just saying, like, I was I wanted you to reach this point on your own. I didn't want to, like, show you this. I wanted you to figure this out for yourself and just like a true master. And I love that about Qui-Gon and the whole like, come on, we got a long way to go was had such a double meaning behind it, not just the journey. But then also just yeah. like the the spiritual journey he's about to go on, and I thought, yeah, you got nine years of training yeah. before you, and also with the force. more enhancements. I mean, you got uh, you've got in a new hope when Ben's telling Luke, you know, Luke's like, you knew my father, and he's like, yeah, yeah best star pilot I've ever seen, blah, blah blah. And Vader, you know, 
hunted down or betrayed and murdered your father. It's like that totally is accurate. Like even though retroactively it's it's accurate, totally makes sense now because Anakin's literally or Vader is literally telling him, I killed Anakin. You know, from that point of view, from a certain point of view, yeah. totally right. And then just like uh, you know, just like when you get into Return of the Jedi and you have that scene between Luke and Ghost Obi Wan on Dagobah, and Obi Wan's telling him like he can't be saved pretty much. Like you gotta kill him. And Luke's like, there's still hope. And it's so great that Luke found the way. And Luke was, in essence, the only thing, maybe Le- I'm sure Leia yep. too, in, 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 in an alternate reality, but he was the only thing that could break him, that could pull him out of that and snap him out of it. And I just love that. Because when you do get to Return of the Jedi and they have their scene, there's a part when he says, like, you know, that name no longer has any meaning to me and I'm too far gone or something like that. He has some dialogue indicating, yeah. like, he just feels like he can't, he's too dug himself too deep, can't get out of it fascinating stuff fascinating stuff and i gotta say real quick brian uh i've been listening to a new book that just came out shadow of the sith this is a do not miss yeah, book for you, dude. like there are a couple things i'm just gonna reveal in here if you guys are interested in the, this book you got to check it out so this is 17 years after uh return of the jedi and luke and lando are in it but it also has ray and her parents ray's like six at this point so it's got her and her parents in there not only that, but it has Ochi of Bestoon with Dio, the little droid. And it's it goes into detail about why he's trying to like find them. He's trying to get to Exegol, but he doesn't he can't remember how and all this stuff. And there's a whole thing about that. But Luke is meditating at the Jedi Temple. It's got young Ben Solo. They just I just listened to a scene, they were interacting with one another, and uh, it's got the temple with all these other students that are training, and Lor Santeca. Who's there in the opening? He's the old fart that talks to Podameron in a uh, Force Awakens for you yep. guys listening. He's there talking to Luke, and Luke keeps having these visions of this place, but he doesn't know what it is, where it is. And Lore starts to think, like, hey, maybe these are just visions warning you of like the dark, just the dark side, always the presence, the possibility of that. But for Luke, he's like, man, this feels like a tangible place. But there is a part I haven't got there yet where Anakin shows up in his vision, ghost Anakin helps him out. Because I think he goes, if I'm not mistaken from what I've heard, Luke goes to Tython, the same planet that was in Mandalorian Season 2, and Grogu sits on that stone. I think Luke, from what I understand, sits on that stone, and Anakin reappears and tells him a bit of information, I think, about Exegol. And Luke is like, what is that place? And Anakin's like, hell has many names. (laughs) And basically starts to fade i don't know why but i guess he like fades i don't know if it's because he projected or something but there's a lot of connectivity going on between sequel trilogy okay. and original trilogy well stuff. it's funny you 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 just got my interest because before you started talking about that book i said i, I was gonna say to you once it came up naturally in conversation like because you know not to sound like a broken record here because you listen to all of our podcasts you've heard me say this before but like the one sticking point so to be fair your sticking point prior to now was there was no Hayden Christensen in the sequel trilogies. That was like your one, like, I mean, it was like the, the focus, but at the same time, it was more the bigger picture of just not like, the connective tissue. Yeah. But like your nip, your nitpick of sorts was like Hayden Christensen should have, yeah, he should have my nitpick. My nitpick has always been, you know, I can get past everything. The sequel trilogy does. I can get past rise of Skywalker, return of Sidious, but I always hate a Ray being the daughter of a, of a, yeah, of a clone yeah. that, that was Palpatine. Right. So then I was going to say to you, like what I really need to, to help enhance that and make it work for me the most is I need her father 
and mother to be developed characters. Yeah, and they're in there. I need, and, I, and you just mentioned that. And I'm like, that's exciting there's, to me. There's so, a couple parts where yeah. he's like talking about like how, like at least vaguely, cause I'm still pretty early on in the book. He's talking about vaguely how he met her and she like they he stayed with her, like from her on her home planet for a while. And he said that like, there's a part where he's like thinking internally, like how weird it must feel to like leave your home. And he doesn't kind of know what that's like because the home he has is completely different. And then it starts to talk about how he sees that home in his nightmares and his dreams and stuff like that. And haunted by the fact that he's uh, the son of Palpatine and stuff. And then they're also real sweet to one another. They have a really close relationship and little Ray. Uh, she's only had a couple lines so far, but um, like I said, I'm not, I'm only a couple chapters in, not super far, but I, from what I understand, they play a pretty big part in the story. Um, I was I was wondering now that we're talking about it. His name is it, how do you pronounce it? Is it Dothan? I think so. Is Dothan? He was he was essentially because he's a clone. He was born an adult, right? Ah, uh, I don't know. I think so, but I don't because, know because I don't think he's been alive that many years. And I'm pretty sure because he, he was supposed to be a clone for Palpatine. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure he was born an adult. I, think, I keep trying to tell myself yeah. every time I get. I don't know why it, it, it to some people, some people probably understand other people probably think I'm weird, but like I'm so caught up on the, cause like I love Ray as a character so much. And for me knowing that she's like, she's almost part clone in my mind because her father was a clone, even though her mom wasn't, mm-hmm. that always bothers me. But I keep trying to tell myself, well, I love Boba Fett and he's a straight up clone. Well, the thing is too, it also hints that his mom or her, I'm sorry, her mom, his wife is force sensitive. It hints at it. Because she's like really good at mechanics and stuff, it's talking about like getting on this the ship they're on and stuff, and yeah. how they bought it from like Uncar Plutt and how she's great at putting it together. And he's like, I never understood how she was just so good at that. And I would ask her and blah blah blah. So again, super good book. I didn't mean to deviate too much, but it's fascinating. No, I, you got my you got you see, I, you see that me. shit like retroactively now connecting between Mandalorian, Book yeah. of Bow, everything they've done so far. And like even though this you know Obi Wan itself didn't really do that, it's because it's just so far away. But like. I can appreciate I'm, I'm I'm able to like really fall in love with everything. So this show, how it ended, just where they're at with the canon right now, everything is just on fire. And it makes me so excited for Mando season three, Ahsoka, you know, Bad Batch season two, especially. I mean, so many great stuff. But Book of Boba, uh, I got to say, just to, just to get us back on that, Kumail Nanjiani, hilarious. I thought he was so oh, funny. The first scene yep. when the, the 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 woman and her child are walking in, he's like, "Don't worry, yep. you're safe now." And I was like, "Get the fuck out of here, Kumail!" Yeah, <laughs> I was like, like you cheese ball, my cheese. Yeah. Ball. Oh my god. Yeah. And um, no, uh, dude, yeah. To to get it back focused on Obi Wan Kenobi, um, man. Okay, I'm just gonna say, there's so much to talk so about, much dude. Much We're half hour in. Already. <laughs> um, I love I love the show. Um. I don't. Do you know this, Josh? Letterbox lets you put it on yeah. there. On some on shows, rank. they do so now. I, if they, if if they think there's no season two, like if they think it's limited, they yeah, like Marvel's you, What If isn't on there, but like every other Disney Marvel show you can do, you can put on there. Um, but like for me, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at this real quick while I'm sure. talking. I, I I put it on my list. I, I rank it pretty high right now, and my list is always subject to change. But I really is really is this love your Star Wars show. ranking in general, like of stuff? Star Wars. Oh, let's hear it. Yeah, I'm. I'm well, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't going to give you my, my whole because I need to change. Okay, it still. fair but enough. I will, I will. I'll tell you what. I, where Save I have that Obi-Wan story for right another now. time. And some people who are listening who hate the sequels will be shouting at the screen when I say <laughs> this. But this is so. I have Obi Wan Kenobi as my fifth favorite. Um, if you let's just pretend it's a movie. Sure. So I have I have Force Awakens followed by Last Jedi, followed by Empire, 
followed by a new hope then obi-wan Kenobi. oh it's great that's so great you know it's right up there i love it look go ahead you want to say something? Well, I was saying, despite saying that, to to because we haven't gone into the names. Yeah, I was about yet, to. I do think I I do think the show is um, it's got a myriad of issues and it's far far from perfect. It's just it does so much good that I don't really care. Yeah, um, that's where I'm at yeah. now. When I was like, see, and that's another thing that sucks with water cooler talk, the week to week stuff, is that people get real fixated on just what's there as opposed to the whole the thing as a whole, like when you watch stranger things, people come out and they're like, it's fucking amazing, but there'd be a whole different discussion. Even if it was still good, if they were releasing those yeah. episodes weekly. So, I mean, yeah. I, I thought, okay, we haven't even talked about Reva Reva yet. Um, I did really end up liking her. Uh, Moses Ingram herself is great, but the character at first, I was a little iffy on because one of the first things she does is parkour on top of these roofs. And I thought that was like, that's just, come on. Like, it's just cheesy. Uh, but she came around. She was great. They did this thing in the show with her. I don't know if you noticed, Brian, but they do this thing every time she like talks. She like kind of pauses. Her eyes kind of look back and forth, and then she like talks. And like she really took her time with her line delivery, and I loved that. That happened at least three different times. Then you had little Leia, like which was uh, escaping uh, Mr. Red Hot Chili Pepper and his goons, and I was like, that's. What the fuck is going on right now? But like, yeah, the forest scene was. Which awful, I get it. It's but... like you know, I know what they were trying to go for, so I can suspend my disbelief. They were just trying to show that this kid is got the force in one sense, you know. And she's, you know, she's, she's, you know, it's just the same thing as like a Luke who has the force but doesn't quite know his full potential. He's really great, bullseye and womp rats in his T sixteen at home. You know, and that's another thing. It gets the toy. That toy came from Obi-Wan. But I mean, yeah. Luke is yeah. like gifted, even though even though he doesn't fully understand it yet, you know, and stuff like that. So I think it was trying to show that with Leia. But that scene was really bad, I thought. And then also, like I said, the, the Reva stuff. And there was also like a really like it's like high budget CW stuff to me, because I think back to Mandalorian in like that shot in season two when him and uh, when he's jetpacking up with Cobb Vanth uh, when they're fighting the crate Dragon fucking looks amazing. But then you see this show and it just like when they're on that planet in the second episode, that real like cyberpunk kind of like planet, it's just that one setting. Like they don't show anything else of the planet and you know it's in the volume. You know that's in the volume, guys. It's just this like kind of CGI, like almost like a modern day blue screen. But like, you know, that's where they're at. So I kind of took issue with some of that. But as the show progressed, I thought it got super good. And I I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy the Like, I, I was like this. The the kid playing Leia is doing a great job. But I was like, man, I don't like where's the focus on Obi-Wan and Anakin. But it built to that and we got it. So, yeah, the, I mean, well, I, I need to before I get into that, because I know that's going to trigger you <laughs> to getting into some Hayden Christensen talks. So I'm going to wait a minute. <laughs> it's a positive um, trigger. I will say. I will say I, I I really I liked I liked Reva. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did. I, I never had any problem with her, and I really liked her. And I'm glad she's in the show. And I mean, I only I only have good things to say about her. But I wanted, I think I wanted her character to die in the show. Um, I don't I don't think mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with. Her, not only does it have nothing to do with her actor, it has nothing to do with her character. I don't want to see more of her character. Yeah. And I don't, but, but don't take that the wrong way. It's not that I did. It's it's because I do like her. I just felt like it. It felt like it would have felt more natural to have her end in this show. Like I felt like that. And I, and I know what you're going to say that it seems like there was a cut where she did die. 
um, which I wish they had went with that because I, I, I feel like her character would have been better if it ended. I was, I mean, that's part um, of what I think, but I also do think they are setting up. They did want to plant some loose plot seams for a potential season okay, two. In case, yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, we've talked about we don't really want a season two either because this was so there good, but we'll get to that also. <laughs> but, you know, but, yeah, right? time, but if they do one, they, there's a couple different things they can do. But will, will should him and Vader meet up again? Hell no. That was... Hell no. Hell no. That was so good the way it was. Uh, I'm sorry, though. Keep going. And then another thing I'll say is, now, I'll be honest in saying I, I can't tell if my judgment is on the actor or on the character, but I do not like the Grand Inquisitor at oh, all. Oh, I loved him. Uh, yeah, I know. He seems to be a favorite with yeah. people, but I just well, fair I enough. like why him. Did, why didn't I, you like him? Fair enough, though. That's what I was confused about, because, well, at first I thought it was the actor, and then I thought, well, maybe it's not the actor. Maybe I just don't like the character. I don't know. Zero charisma, bland, completely bland presence on he screen. He is very one-dimensional in Rebels, I will say that. He is he's pretty much I mean, yeah. aside from the he's design just, being a little different, he's the exact same. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the most character I got out of him was the the final time you see him where uh he's talking to Darth Vader and it actually makes me laugh when I think about <laughs> he it. Tried to check he's talking to Darth Vader. <laughs> He's like, he's like, he's basically like, I don't think you should do this, bro. And then Darth Vader's like, I'm doing it. And you just see the Inquisitor basically lift his lips like, ah, it's not the direction I would have take, taken. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but yeah, I, 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 it might be because I'm guessing, you know, it seems to be unanimous praise for his acting. So that's what makes me question myself. Maybe I'm just not a fan of the character. Now, if I watch Rebels, maybe it'll change my mind. But you did just say he's basically the same in Rebels. So yeah. I don't know. Not a big fan. I mean, he's just, he's uh, one dimensional. He's got an English voice. Uh, the only, the only real difference is he's got a bigger head, you know, but that was yeah, a big complaint yeah. and uh, it's fine in the show. I'm like, I'm past it now, but you know, another thing too, I thought the other inquisitors were great. I, I Sun Kang played, uh, yeah. I forget one of the brothers and then I forget the other gal who played the, the other sister, but, um, it gets hard to keep track of the numbers now, but, uh, oh, I love, I love seeing the, the chick from Dorn back. Oh from my God, dude. Here. Uh, I, I got to look up her name real quick, but she, I thought really shined. I thought she was going to be there for the yep. one episode. She shows up and kind of one and done, but she's, yep. I, when she died, that was one of the like saddest star Wars deaths. I feel like I've ever seen at this point. I was, I was really in, in the droid that like is blocking, like taking the shots. He's absorbing them to protect her. Nari, 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 I think it was. Yeah. But, um, uh. Oh my god, dude! Not only is she beautiful, but she played a great character, and again, it helped further instill like this. There's stuff that's worth fighting for, like you know what I mean. She won me over because of Game of Thrones. I get that. Bad. Like now, she was she was good on her own, but like, and Josh has said this before in the past, and he is not wrong. If you have any affiliation with Game of Thrones, you just already won my heart. Like it doesn't. No, I get matter it though. I get it though because I mean that's how it was <laughs> with Star Wars as a kid. If I saw Mark Hamill in something, someone from Star Wars and anything else, I was like, <gasps> you know, and I I would watch stuff I wouldn't normally yeah. watch because they were in it, but. Um, Josh, I want to jump. I want to jump back to another. I want to jump back to an original sure. point. And I know we only got so much time, but That's I just, we're talking I want so to spend fast, time. Guys. On this. <laughs> yeah, I want to spend time on okay. this. Um, I genuinely feel like the the whole final f- fight between Darth Vader and 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 Obi Wan, and that the mask being broken open, and the 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 conversation that when when Anakin's talking and it's going back and forth between him and Anakin. I feel like that is, for for me, definitely top 10 Star Wars moments with a potential for top five. Oh, dude. That was that was a God-tier uh, Star Wars moment. Dude, 
and that that makes the show worth it alone. It I, it for me that moment was higher than the final Rogue One Darth Vader scene. Yeah, even no, I think it was too because I think as much as I love Hayden, the biggest problem I think most people had, and I I was in that boat was there's still kind of a disconnect when you watch like the original trilogy and you're trying to think of it like it fixed as, Han- <laughs> as Hayden in there. Yeah. And this really fixes it, it because now. you see him in the suit, you see him in the tank, you know, at one point. Uh, and yeah, we get the flashback, which was amazing. That was what I really, really wanted with some kind of flashback. Yeah. Um, but getting to see him in the suit just further solidified that, yes, that is that Anakin. Anakin is in that. And I watched the when I watch the original trilogy, I'm going to feel like that's Hayden now. I never had that before. Yeah. Uh, also, also like they, they did a great job of just like, there's several moments when he's fully suited up. I feel like I can tell Hayden's in yep. there, you know, the way he moves. And it's funny because I can't like pinpoint any scene, but there's a couple times where, and this is a younger Darth Vader than we're used to seeing usually. So there's a couple times where Hayden moves in the Darth Vader yeah. suit. And the movement's just a tad too fluid mm-hmm. or a tad less robotic sure. than we're used to. And I immediately just think of the Disney Darth Vader dancing, doing like air humps and shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, because like, yeah. he's just a little more animated. No, I, I understand that. And I, but I love that too, because the fact that he gets to be in the suit, which he was briefly in Revenge, but that was right at the end. Uh, it really just, again, goes to further solidify that it's him in the suit because you're not just, you don't just have him there for that moment where his mask is like slashed. So. One, one thought I had, too, while watching this that I don't know if anyone else would agree with, but, you know, for all the complaints that Hayden Christensen got in the prequels about being not a good actor, yeah. you know, to whatever degree that was his acting ability versus the script and all that stuff. Um, one thing I think I realized watching the show is I wonder how often people attribute. Now, I, I don't think to be to be honest and fair, I don't personally think Hayden Christensen. I don't think he's a bad actor but I don't think he's an exceptional one either. Like he's not up there with your Leonardo DiCaprio's and Ryan Gosling's or whatever to me. I mean, speak for uh, yourself. So he's, he's in, yeah, for me, <laughs> he's, for me, he's middle of the pack, but I wonder how much criticism of his acting was given to his voice. And the reason I'm saying this, cause like I, I just watching this, I'm like, you know what? Iconic's not the word. Cause iconic implies that like everyone in the world, like, like likes it. But like, I don't know anyone who has a voice like Hayden. You know, yeah. like, no, I know what you're saying. Can you think of anyone else that like his voice is very like it's almost quiet, like gravely quiet when he talks, yeah. you know, he's like, got a low voice and, and he's got it, a low voice and it's just kind of like really. Middle and I thing. think that's yeah, I think that might have been what added to people's criticism of him, especially since he's supposed to be playing one of the most tyrannical, you know, villains of all time who has Dar- or has James Earl's voice. Sure. I'm not going to pretend like that there wasn't wooden dialogue in the prequels. But yeah, I will say that the biggest misconception people have usually just goes to his acting being terrible. But the thing is, is that George wrote that. It's not a fact, but it's pretty easy to tell to me that George wrote his dialogue with the intention of speaking the same way that Vader speaks in the original trilogy. Things like he, he doesn't say, I'm going to destroy you. You know, I'm going to kill you. He says, I will destroy you. You know, everything is very like proper and enunciated and spread out, Mm. very thoroughly spoken. And he does that in the prequels. And that carries over when you watch the original trilogy. Vader isn't someone who like speaks, you know, he, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but he has a very specific way he talks and it's there between every version of Anakin, whether he's in the suit or not. And this one, 
it was the same thing and they just blended the two together. I thought even when he had the flashback scene with Obi-Wan, I thought it was good. He has that iconic Hayden Anakin smile. You know, you're yeah. you were beaten. He doesn't say you're beaten. You were beaten, you know, and that's yeah. the same way that's that, that Vader would have talked. And but yeah, when you get him in the helmet and everything, just amazing, amazing poetry that's going on there between the blue kind of hue of uh, Obi-Wan's yeah. lightsaber to the red. What's up? And to give to give Hayden more credit, like. In my, now, Josh would be would be kinder than this, but in my opinion, like his acting performance in Attack of the Clones, like a four out of ten. Mm-hmm. But his acting performance in Revenge of the Sith is like seven eight, seven eight immediately. I'm so, glad you said that. Even if it is, so even if it is like you know maybe George or the writing had a lot to do with the acting ability. Regardless, you can see from one film to the next, Anakin or Hayden Christensen's acting so, so far improved. Right, and I was—that's one of the things I was most excited for when this when it got announced that he was returning. I wanted to see how he would act under a different director and writer, you know, and I wanted to see that opportunity and for other people to get that experience because George, the, one of the things they used to joke about that he would just say for directing is like faster, more intense. Yeah, he didn't really yeah, yeah. give him like he was great in terms of like transitional shots, some cinematography. He was he was actually pretty good with that. People don't give him enough credit. But when it came to him being a writer, not the best. And that's why, you know, you, you look at some of the movies that are more popular, um, like Empire specifically, uh, that was written by other people or at least enhanced by other people, depending on how you look at it. So, I mean. I love getting to see him in this. I felt the writing still felt like the way Anakin slash Vader talks. But I do feel like it was better acted. Like when it's in the flashback, I'm not my mind's not blown, but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. But when I see yeah. him in the suit, the way they edited that with his voice, when he's like, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, you know, like he's got this kind of like it hits this low pitch. It's, it's so fucking good. It's funny, dude. It's funny because like, like referencing that referencing that flashback scene, for instance, you see both Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen acting on screen at the same time. I always think of Ewan McGregor as a phenomenal actor. I think of him in as Obi-Wan. I think of him in the Christopher Robin movie. I think of him in Birds of Prey, even though I don't like the film. Um, he's always just so good. When I think of Hayden Christensen, I just think, you know, that's Hayden Christensen being Hayden Christensen. But what's interesting is, is like, like I can sit here and say, oh, when Ewan, Ewan McGregor puts on, you know, puts on the robes and the lightsaber, he just becomes Obi-Wan. But... Here you have Hayden Christensen playing Anakin 20 years, or has it been 20 years? Where's mm-hmm. it been? I don't know. It's Not, almost 15 years, almost whatever. 20 years. In close, you, have Anna, you have Hayden Christensen coming back and playing Attack of the Clones era Anakin, yeah. and he completely becomes Anakin again to yeah. me. Like he completely fits into the role like he's been there the whole time. And it's like, it's weird that even myself, I like to give Ewan McGregor credit for just becoming Obi-Wan because I think he's such a great actor outside of Star Wars. And really, the only thing I have to go off of for Hayden Christensen is Jumper and the 90 Minutes in Heaven Christian film he did. Mm-hmm. That, that I've seen both of those movies. Um, so for the most part, it's just like all I know, if I have less to go off of with Hayden. But TLDR, he came back and he became that character again. So you got to get No, and I love that. it. Like, I love it because he wants to have a life outside of the, the industry, wants to be a parent. I, I respect that so much. I'm so sad and that he got divorced. Though. I know. Man, so sad. I know. Fuck Rachel Bilson. It might it, it might not even up. have been her fault, but I'm just like, I love Hayden so much that I'm just like, no. But uh, hopefully they rekindled. You know, what, you know what's uh, uh, ironic, though, is that so he was married to Rachel Bilson, who was in the OC. And for some of you guys that watched the OC back in the day, 
George Lucas had a guest appearance on there in one episode. In that same episode, they premiered the trailer for Revenge of the Sith. So it's just a weird connection that she ends up marrying that guy, has kids with the guy that was starring in that movie. So crazy, crazy uh, six degrees. But anyway, I wish I wish we could know what George Lucas thought of this show. I, I know. know the things I've heard, even if he hates it, just uh, the know. one, the couple positives I've heard is at least I, I heard he liked Rogue One. I think he was OK with Solo and he was on set for Mando. But I don't know too much any uh, too much else. But I, I heard he was he enjoyed Rogue One at least. So when I watched it, I'm like, yeah, it's George approved. But but uh, you know what, dude? I think it just is a case of of more time you see people in these in these roles, the more you get used to them and acclimated to them. And it's like 20 years of memes, and now you see him return, and he was so happy to. And that's the thing. You talk about lightning in a bottle. All these actors that got to return in this seemed so happy to do it. They seemed like they had so much fun with these characters. And every one of them talks about how they want to return. And I think, you know what? If they do a season two, I hope they go a different route. Because I do think it probably is going to happen now. At first, I thought, I, I mean, I am of the of the opinion. It doesn't need it. I don't want it. What I want right now is give me some kind of Clone Wars six episode show live action because right now you have Ewan and, and Hayden and you put Aiden, Hayden in the revenge. Like he didn't, I know a lot of people complained about like the, how he looked way aged, you know, in the sort of attack of the clones kind of aesthetic, the look, the hair. And I thought, I understand. I, I thought he looked aged, but not way. Yeah. And I understand, I understand that complaint, but I also was like, again, suspend your disbelief. Just try to have fun. But in the revenge of the Sith, longer hair, I think he would look even better in terms of just with his age now. Yeah. But you, the, you get those two back, you get, um, Rosario Dawson, who is now playing Ahsoka, or at least you bring in like Ashley Eckstein, who voiced her, someone to play Ahsoka. You can bring back Natalie Portman. Natalie was just in a in an interview uh, for Thor, promoting Thor, saying how cool it is to see people. Same thing the other two have said, how great it is to see the people who grew up with these movies now champion how much they love it, how great they are. Yeah. And that's fucking cool. Everyone seems on board to return. Why not make it happen while you can? That's what I want. So, But I don't know. I'm ready. Yeah, I'd rather have that yeah. too. I'd rather have that too. No, that's that's honestly awesome idea to have just like Clone Wars and nothing too six, long, even six yeah, episodes, something small. Yeah, even just six episodes, like adventures, and it also would help build more of the bond of the. I know. I thought it was Obi-Wan so cool, Brian. I don't know if you saw this, but Ashley Eckstein, who who voiced Ahsoka in the show, she was when they were doing the celebration panel. There was one where they had her, Hayden, Ewan, a couple other people, and she's on the mic and she looks over at Anakin. She's like, "Hey, Sky Guy." And it was, I was like, ah, God, I got so happy, dude. Yeah. Like, just, it's got to make, it's got to be like bittersweet for people that like, she doesn't get to be live action. I, so I do like, kind of hate that in a way, but like, I look at Rosario and she looks like how I would imagined her. You know, she looks exactly like that. Do you think they could have made the voice actress version look like a proper? I think they absolutely can in that kind of like era, either like tail end of the Clone Wars slash into OT, but yeah. like with, with Rosario's uh, Ahsoka being like, post return of the Jedi so much time has passed that she's grown up. You know, it's funny, Josh, I just had this thought and I think it's pretty accurate. Like let's say George Lucas was still in control. Mm -hmm. Like let's say all this came out, but it was still George Lucas. I could see him doing a new edit of return of the Jedi where they add Qui-Gon Jinn uh, ghost (laughs) up at the end. And like, like lots of fans like yourself would be like, Oh, this is so cool that Qui-Gon in. But then, but then the internet discussion would be, what the hell? And Luke doesn't even know who Qui-Gon Jinn is. Why is he smiling at him? He doesn't even know. Here's him. why I'm so glad you mentioned this, dude, because in that book, like I said, and I could be misinterpreting it because I only read a quick TLDR. There is that part where Anakin supposedly fades, like as he's talking to Luke, 
I think he I either finishes what he's saying in phase or just fades mid combo or something. But he fades. And I think to my understanding, that's to imply that like he's going somewhere else. You know, I don't you know, I don't know. So it makes me wonder is like, are they slowly trying to develop what, you know, a little bit more on these force ghost stuff and how that works? Because like quite, yeah, Qui-Gon's not there. And yeah, you, if you turn off your retroactive brain, you know, and you just buy into the literature of it, like why, you know, that doesn't make sense. Why is he now? He, we do see, he is able to take uh physical form in a sense, but we don't see him in return. Did he go somewhere else? You know, how much is being a force ghost? Like, I think most of us always assumed it was like this forever thing. They just, it's live forever. But in reality, it's like, I kind of imagine this is some sort of temporary thing until like the next stage, you know, almost like almost, their way of shepherding people going. I forward think it is. I think it's the way of like, basically like, Hey, if I'd still need, if I have unfinished business here on this, in my life on this planet, I can go do this. This is my time to do that. But I found a way to move on. I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's all theories, but like, I think they're slowly going to explain because like I said, if, if what happened in that book is right in Anakin phase, if that's him like permafading, let's say, then that makes all the more sense when you get to rise while you're hearing voices in that ghost and anything that can enhance what's in the sequel trilogy is great because the sequel trilogy was like, fuck everything that came before the OT. Whereas everything like that's prequels in between OT is like, no, we love you. So they're extending the olive branch that the sequel trilogies did not. And it's not to hate on the sequel trilogies. It's to say, like, I'm so glad. I think you're right. I just think that I think we should, you know, I think we should blame the fans. I don't think we should blame Disney or Catholic. I blame Disney, the fans and I blame opinion. Disney, you know, because I think, I mean, same thing I with Jar Jar. They made the decision. So I get, right. I mean, fair. same thing with but the Jar Jar like, chapter. The reason they did that is because fans were calling for the prequels yeah. to be forgotten. Well, I say, just forget about the, like, don't, don't pay attention to what the fans say. Like use it as a, use it as a little bit of a gauge, but goddamn, don't like, Completely. I feel like they didn't pay attention to what the fans wanted with Last Jedi, though, and look how that turned out for them. You know what? Here's <laughs> you know? the thing I give you know, even though I feel the certain way I do with Last Jedi, I still love it. And I respect Ryan Johnson that he told the story he wanted to tell. You know, like that. I respect that from a director standpoint. Is he just a, a director that likes to subvert? Yes, but like he's still super talented within that field and he still did a lot of cool shit. So, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think that, you know, JJ doing the red arm. I mean, he, he went with bad, he used bad robot productions, which I mean, I, from what I hear too, Pablo Hidalgo, who is part of the Lucasfilm story group has hinted, implied on Twitter that like JJ, whenever JJ's team was around, they kind of didn't really involve the story group as much. They wanted to kind of establish it and set it. Everybody else has really worked with the story group and has to, but when it was force awakens time, kicking things off, JJ was kind of in his own bubble to my understanding, but Again, that's hearsay. So who knows? You know, it's funny when you're talking about Force Ghosts, and I still see people like going online and being like, when are they going to explain how Obi-Wan Force Ghost like moved that vine in Empire Strikes Back? Like he should have just walked right through it. <laughs> you remember that? Like, does that? Oh, no, yeah. I know moved? what you're talking like, about, but I'm like, you know, at the same like, time, I'm like, oh one God. of the great things about Last Jedi was like Yoda showing that, like, look, you remember that time Obi-Wan said you strike me down, become more powerful than you could possibly imagine? That wasn't just metaphorical, bitch. Check out what I can do. And lightning in the sky. Yeah, see, and I remember back when Last Jedi came out, people were theorizing, like, are we going to have a future where, like, Force ghosts are, like, affecting the world in great mm-hmm. ways because they can, like, go with it? But that hasn't been tackled yet. That makes you wonder if it's going to happen. Josh, let's 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 progress towards some final thoughts here. We're getting yeah. closer to the, to the end. <laughs> Going all before, over the place. Before, before final thoughts, though, I want your opinion. So what is your... Subjective, I had fun. 
score. Like I just liked it score. And then what's your objective critic? Shit, score? nine out of ten of by the end of it. Nine out of ten. Is that for the fun? The yeah, fun one. Fun factor. Objectively, it was probably a six out of ten. But I do think by the end it really went up in quality. I just think with six episodes, you don't think you're going to get much story. But it felt like there was a teeny tiny bit of bloat in there between like the fourth, like somewhere around the like some of the third and fourth episode stuff. I felt like was a little bloaty. Even the second one to an extent, like when uh, when Obi Wan's basically uh, becoming uh, what's his nuts from Breaking Bad and goes into that meth factory to rescue Leia. I was oh, just like, yeah. like I get it. I mean, you got to show him trying to rescue her, but the episode, there wasn't too much from that episode to really, we didn't need to rescue Leia twice. Right. I think yeah, exactly. Cool. Exactly. So, I mean, there was a little bit of filler in there, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I'll take all the star Wars I can get. And you know, that's the last thing I'll say. Let's switch it over to you is it felt like after rise. And we know this for a fact though, I guess, uh, that they kind of took a, they kind of went to the drawing board a bit and they were like, we're going to slow down. They didn't feel too good about Solo's uh, performance at the box office, so they wanted to go back and just kind of slow things down a bit. In the meantime, we had Mando Season 2 come out. We had Bad Batch, Star Wars Visions. But, you know, it's 2022, and that's all we've really had outside of, you know, books, comics, games, and stuff. Yeah. But now we're at a point where this came out. Uh, we got Tales of the Jedi coming out this year. We've got Ahsoka, or not Ahsoka next year, but uh, Bad Batch Season 2 this year. Next year, like I said, Ahsoka. Um, there's that Skeleton Crew show. Ta- Taika Waititi uh, is writing for the new the, his Star Wars movie. Um, all these other shows and, and movies and stuff. We're slowly working back into a sustained Star Wars era, which is what we had when the sequel trilogy started. And that was really cool because that's what Marvel has. They have sustained Marvel. Every three months, you can look forward to seeing a new Marvel movie in theaters. In between, there's the shows. Seems like Star Wars is slowly getting to that point. And man, I'm here for it, especially with seeing how Kenobi wrapped up. And I, I just feel really confident about the story group, the canon. Uh, so I loved the show. Uh, nine out of 10 for me. Uh, it wasn't perfect, um, but I can complain about anything in Star Wars. I had a good time. Yeah. And I think ultimately it did its job. It served to enhance uh, the characters. And I can skip that if I want to still have a great time, but I can watch that and be all the better. I equate it to experiencing some of the books. You can skip the books mm-hmm. and you can still get the core experience of Star Wars and these characters. But some of these books, you can get enhanced experiences and understand some of the mentalities of these characters. And that's what I got with the show. So that was quite cool. Yeah, I think um, I w- so for fun factor, I really wanted to go nine, ten out of ten also. But I think I'm going to go eight. I was sitting on because it. I think I was. Yeah, yeah, I was close. Because the reason I want to go nine ten is basically because of how well all the connective tissue and how it enhances Star mm-hmm. Wars. But if you look at it in a, it's at a vacuum of its own six episode arc, and you and you disregard how it influences other things, um, I don't think it was at a, even for fun factor. I don't think it was in a nine range for mm-hmm. me because there was there were several dull moments and stuff. Where I'm sure. like, all right, let's get to the next thing. So I'm gonna go with eight out of ten fun factor, but then. I'll only go down with one notch for objective. I'd give it a seven out of 10 objectively. I think it was above average. I think it was pretty good. Close. I think you gave eight. Yeah, I, gave I think, nine, I, think for, and then you, I gave six, you gave seven. So that's pretty good. Yeah. I think the, the, the seven for me is the, the noticeable filler, the stretching of the material a bit. And um, some of the, I, I, I don't see it near as badly as Josh. I think Josh is right. I just don't have an eye for it as much. 
the visual, some of the visual effects and, and the way that you, you know stuff's handled is, is a little under. Notice sometimes like Deborah Chow had this like shaky cam thing kind of going on here and there. Yeah, I didn't I did. really like that. I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it. I think I, I think I did like okay. it, huh? I, but I don't think it was. It probably wasn't the great, the right move. No, I don't think so. But it at does, the same it does time, off, you know, I'm happy. Comes off kind of amateur. Another thing too but, to say real quick. I'm so sorry, but like you notice with Mandalorian, you had not only John Favreau and Dave Filoni, but you had Bryce Dallas Howard. And a couple other people like Taika and Deborah and stuff that came in and directed. I'm forgetting this other guy's name, but like now you had uh, Robert Rodriguez who did an episode. He went and did Book of Boba. You had Deborah Chow who done some episodes. She did Obi Wan. So and Taika's doing a Star Wars movie. So it's nice to see these directors yeah. that they're kind of keeping aboard. But a lot of people want Bryce Dallas Howard to to do something, and I'm I'm game yeah. for that too. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've seen that too on the internet a lot, where somebody does something good and they're like, "Give him a trilogy, <laughs> yeah. you know, give Bryce Hour to it, give Deborah Chow a trilogy." I don't think that's the right mentality because I I think you know just because someone does something really good doesn't mean you want to start handing them just loads of. No, but it's, of content it's the same thing with Ryan know? Johnson though. Like, I the, it seems like that trilogy just gets pushed further and further back. But like, I feel like it'll never happen. You know, I I think there's a good chance you're right. But I really would like to see it happen because I think Ryan, who has his hands off the Skywalker saga, could do a really amazing job. And I would love to see yeah. that, what that looks like. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, do you remember, there was, there was a time where people would have said, give, give Star Wars to JJ. And now there's no one. I said that back in no 2015. And, but again, I still love the sequel trilogy. But real quick, Brian, uh, I, I got to say one last thing. Uh, Aunt Beru, Uncle Owen, amazing. Uh, Roken, Badass. I think his name was pronounced. I might be mispronouncing it. It's uh, Ice Cube's son. I forget his name, but he did great. I liked him. That last line with Obi-Wan oh, yeah. where he's like, shit, I'm just getting started. I was like, oh, shit. That was cool. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. good. I loved it. I still had fun. I loved yeah, it. All. It was fun. It was It was a great It was a great show. I, I, for me, if okay, let's last thing, Josh, before we get out of here. Let's do a ranking of the live-action Disney shows. Okay. I'll start. Sure. I think, well... Let's just go with uh, your preference, less objective. Which, 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 how you liked them in order? How about that? that yeah, sure. Uh, Mando, Obi Wan. Well, uh, what season of Mando two? Uh, like season two of Mando, then season one, then Obi Wan, then Book of Boba. But I loved Book of Boba. I want to go on record. I loved Book of Boba. I loved Book of Boba too. Uh, we're very close. For me, it goes Mando season one. Okay. Is that's my top. Well, Mando season two. I get that. I will say that's like the area I'm most fascinated with right now, not just because there's such a big gap between the trilogies, but simply because like I think the beautiful thing that's kind of set, it's heartbreaking. It's depressing, but it's beautiful. Like, okay, think back for you guys listening real quick. I'll sum this up real quick. We'll get out of here. But there's the scene in Book of Boba when Din Djarin goes to visit uh, Luke on his planet he goes and but he meets ahsoka first and everything that planet in the book by the way is now confirmed to be called ossus o-s-s-u-s but he goes to that planet and you see this temple being built you also think back to um din Djarin coming into contact with some of the people of the rebel alliance and the x-wings and stuff like that there is a general sense of optimism in terms of the state of the galaxy you know things returning back to a better place and a better state of mind yeah and we know that in the sequel trilogy, things take a dark turn. You know, history kind of repeats itself, but it's beautiful. And I love in that timeline how much optimism there is in there. Cause that was always the real drawing point of Star Wars to me was the hope. And you get that when you watch the Mando stuff and you just see these people yeah. become more than what they have been for so long and also have all these t- tethers, connections, backdoor pilots. I love that Mandoverse, but um, but Obi Wan is huge, dude. Yeah, 
I think that's why, you know, Mando season one stands out for me because to me, Mando season one feels like the most original Star Wars content we've had in forever. Sure. You know, because season two blew my mind. Season two was amazing, but it purposely starts to tie everything together and bring in cameos and connections, sure. which I love. But season one just felt like it got Whoa, to be its, it's own like thing before it started thing. doing that. Its own sure. thing, yeah. And th- th- and I think that's fair. They you know they earned it with season one, and then they now they can expand in season yeah. two. So, yeah, I love all the Disney shows. Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi did not disappoint. It was yeah, what a great better than I what could. a great way to go out though. I mean, just amazing, and to see people raving about their performances, uh, you love to see it. Love to be in this timeline, and I can't wait to see what's next for Star Wars. Just really great time to be a Star Wars fan, and I'm always happy when I get to be able to say that. So it's very absolutely, cool, absolutely, very fun. Guys. The force was strong uh, with this show. Loved it. It was super strong with this show. Uh strong like, with like I said, defeated my expectations. <laughs> okay, that's our cue to get out of here, everybody. Uh thank you so much, guys, for listening to this episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast. Let us know what your thoughts on the Obi-Wan Kenobi show uh was. Uh did you like it? Were you disappointed with Let it? Know. Does it enhance the movies? We'd love to hear from you. Uh thanks again for listening. And as always, guys. Keep it sacred. Master Qui-Gon. Well, took you long enough. Beginning to think you'd never come. I was always here, Obi-Wan. You just were not ready to see. Come on. We've got a ways to go.